Well, we invite you to look and open up your Bibles, if you would, to John chapter 18. Again, uh, we've been in this series uh, in having an encounters with uh, Jesus uh, for the last several weeks now, um, 10, 12 weeks, I think, uh, we're, we're into this and, and been looking through the Gospel of John and looking at all these uh, individual encounters that Jesus has with, with different people, and uh, I have to say that it's uh, one of my favorite gospels and and certainly a fun thing to go through and to look at some tough stuff in here though i think some tough stuff but we're uh in the 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 18th chapter and uh, um i guess uh looking at the easter story if you will in the middle of of october so um john chapter 18 uh um, as you know uh, john the last half of john's gospel really starts to really focus upon that last week of, of Jesus' life. And, and here in this one we have, in this chapter, chapter 18, Jesus is, re- is arrested and, and, um, and we're going to be looking today at, at this story of him as he stands up and, and, and stands before Pilate. And some, uh, some words that I think that we're familiar with, but um, very, very important. But the title of this message just being the standing for the truth, standing for that which is true, uh, standing for the truth. Uh, starting with verse number 28, John chapter 18 um, says, uh, Then the Jews led Jesus from Caiaphas to the Roman palace, or to the palace of the Roman government, and by now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, uncleanness the Jews did not enter the palace. They wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. And Pilate said, Take him yourself and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, the Jews objected. This happens so that the words Jesus had spoken, indicating, indicating the kind of death he was going to die, would be fulfilled. And Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied. It was your people and your chief priests who handed you over to me. What is it that you have done? And Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my Servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this, re- and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth, Pilate asked. And with this he went out again to the Jews and said, I find no basis for a charge against him, but it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, No, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in a rebellion. You know, I li- this text is uh, an interesting text because I think it gives to us, at least here, it introduces us to a number of different voices. Three, I think, in particular that I want to look at today. 
there are three people who are coming along here, three groups, if you will, who come along and they, they, they engage us with this word about what, uh, just they engage us uh, the, with some things. But there's, uh, there's some voices that we hear. There's the voice, uh, number one, there's the voice of the Jews that we see. Uh, the, the voice of the Jews, uh, they, they were too good to uh, go into this Gentile courtyard. Uh, they might have said it something like this, we wouldn't be caught dead in the wrong place. I would actually say that it would be something like this, prejudice, prejudice. I, I don't mean prejudice in the sense that we usually think of the term as in you know, when we think about things like racial bi bias, but I, I mean prejudice in the very literal sense that where we have, it's, it's the literal sense to have prejudged someone. They, these Jews, if you're looking, if you're reading this story correctly, I think that you see that they've already made up their mind. They ha know that Jesus could not, in their minds, they know that Jesus could not be the Messiah. He couldn't be the person that they really want to have come, the one that they're expecting to come. He couldn't be the person that they're expecting. And so, therefore, this man, Jesus, has to be executed. And so they've got to get rid of him because he's a fraud in their minds. They have made up their minds. That's just it. They have made up their minds. What's, what's intriguing to me about this is their interest in protecting their ceremonial cleanliness or cleanness. Uh, maybe you notice that in the text as it's being read. They went as far as the courtyard of the pilot. I mean, it's just a, it's an amazing uh, admission of what's going on with these Jews. Uh, they didn't want to go in because, in because they didn't want to defile themselves. That's what's happening here. Lest they, uh, they didn't want to go in unless they defile themselves, lest they, lest they somehow not be allowed to participate in the, in the feast. I mean, you think about that. They're about to kill an innocent man, but they don't want to defile themselves. They don't want to make themselves somehow unclean. And this, I think, is, by the way, I think this is probably a, the epitome of what it means to be religious. Uh, to, to keep up all of the appearances and yet somehow to miss the truth, to miss the point. The possibility did exist that if they had gone into Pilate's household, or frankly for that matter, into any other Gentile uh, household, that they might come in contact with a dead body. Because the rumor had it, that the, the rumor was that Gentiles had dead bodies. I mean, I mean that's how they viewed them. They, and, and they thought that for sure that that's where they would store their dead people, and it was just kind of one of those weird, weird Jewish rumors. And, and so let's they go in and then somehow be defiled and, and, and unable to, to eat the Passover. The, the Passover, well, you, I mean, I guess you know how that rule went. Um, if you don't, uh, you know, it, it was this idea that if after you've touched a dead body or got anywhere near a, like a sepulcher, you had to have a certain amount of time that in order to cleanse yourself and to be made ceremonially clean. And there wouldn't have been time to do that because of the Passover, and, and, and it was time to celebrate. And so we'll just kind of stay outside here. We'll stay outside where we can be kept religiously clean. It's all about keeping up appearances. It's, 
it, that's what it is. It's keeping up appearances. I remember when I was in Bible college, I was on a camp team in the summer. And uh, it's, uh, um, I, I think about these things um, from time to time. It just, in, in terms of this kind of stuff, this idea of keeping up appearances. But I was, I was on the summer team um, traveling several camps during the summer and um, our responsibility first and foremost was to be able to represent the college, uh, Minnesota Bible College. But we were also in camps, we were family group leaders, we were team leaders, we, were, we taught classes, we led worship. Well actually that's what the teams were, they, we kind of pulled together some, some uh, a repertoire of of music and we sang and did skits and it was a lot of fun. It was a great experience. Susan actually did one of those camp teams uh, the year after I did. Uh, she came into uh, the college as well and spent several weeks traveling in, in all those, those camps. Um, I, I, I guess I would say, I mean, it was an amazing summer and, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. I, I'd say that you know, for the most part, it was really, really, I mean, a, our team really seemed to work well together. But if, if I don't know uh, if any of you have ever had an opportunity like that. You, if you have, you would understand this. If you haven't, you, I don't know if you'd get it or not. But there, there just kind of seems to point when, whenever you put five individuals who really don't know much about each other and they kind of get stuck together and... And, and put on this team and selected for this team and you've got you've to kind of get to know each other, right? You've got to kind of work through some things and, and, and typically when you choose five people from kind of nowhere, I don't know how they did that selection process to be honest with you, um, but there's five of, five of us who really didn't have a lot in common when we started. We didn't really, we were all fairly new to the college. Uh, Freshmen or, so, or, or sophomores, I mean, mo I think all of us were sophomores. And uh, anyway, uh, my point is, is that um, whenever that happens, you've got, you've got personalities, different personalities that come together. And, and so we had, uh, during the summertime, we had some, um, after we'd been chosen, we had all summer, or I'm sorry, we had all that fall and we had to, uh, before we went out, right as the summer began, we had, like, we called it Hell Week, where we had just to learn all these songs, we had to learn all these skits, and we had to focus and read, and it just, it was just so, um, so intense. And um, my point is, is that we started traveling together, and by about halfway through our summer, uh, as you can imagine, that some of us, several of us, all, probably all of us, began to just get on each other's nerves. Um, and keep in mind, we're college kids. We're in our early 20s. Um, we just began to really, there began to begin some tensions, some tensions that were going on within, that, that had built up throughout the summer. And all of a sudden, that about halfway through this came to a head. Now keep in mind, here we are on this team and we've got all this tension in the group. All five of us. And we're out there singing and smiling for Jesus. It comes to my mind a lot because I think about that because you feel like a fake. 
you feel like you're just keeping up appearances. You're singing for Jesus. You're teaching about Jesus. On the outside, you look really, really good. On the inside, you're just coming apart as a group. And so actually what we had to do is we actually, uh, our leader came along. Oftentimes our leader didn't even come with us, um, but this, he recognized it and he said, okay, whoa. And we spent a whole weekend, we just pulled it off and said, we got to resolve this, let's take care of this. The rest of the summer went really wonderful as we sat down and we started talking about the mission that we were on and what, what we're supposed to do. And, but the point of all of that is this, appearances in real life. And we all know what that's like, don't we? I, I, I'm sure that you can. I uh, imagine people who, who, people that you may know or, uh, you know, who do all the right things on the outside in order to just keep up those appearances, uh, who want to be seen as being Christian and having it all together, but maybe there's some tension that they have with some other believers, or maybe there's some, maybe there's some sin in their lives that runs contrary to what we believe. That happens for. I think, that, I think that's happened in all of our lives, where sin just kind of begins to take over, and it, it, it keeps us from hearing what God wants us to hear. You follow me, right? Sometimes sin in our lives keeps us from hearing what God says in His Word. It's, it puts on some, some, uh, some ear earplugs, and, and, and we, we fail to hear what God maybe wants us to hear. Um, we fail to hear the voice of God. But it's that Jewish, let's keep up appearances. Let's make sure that we go, all, that we go to the right places. That we, that, but whatever we do, let's not cross any lines lest we uh, get in trouble, anything that might get us in trouble. The, the surprising context for me in this text is that they wouldn't be defiled by a Gentile room, but they would kill an innocent man. Doesn't that strike you as odd? Well, there's also, of course, we've got the voice of the Jews. We also have the voice of Pilate in this text. Pilate is too smart for a Jewish con game, right? I mean, you can sense that all right in here. He's, got, he, he's not about to be deceived by the, by the Jews of the, in this text. He, he might say it this way. He would say, I wouldn't be caught dead by the wrong people. And I would say it maybe this way, peer pressure. Peer pressure. He, he knows that the Jews have an agenda, they're, that, that they're out to kill an innocent, innocent man. He knows that. I mean, he's not a stupid person, right? He didn't get into this position by being an idiot. He understands that the, that the only thing going on here is that the Jews don't happen to like Jesus and that they want him to be put to death. They can't, by the way. <laughs> That's the problem that they face, is that, they, is that the Jews were under Roman domination and, and they didn't have the power of execution. They couldn't kill people. Well, they could have stoned them to death, I guess. And, and they kind of did it and they got it over with. And it, it, it kind of like, well, I mean, you know, I mean, do it and ask for forgiveness later. You know, forget about the permission but they couldn't execute him. They could not do Roman execution, and that, that's what they wanted. 
They wanted to make Jesus cursed. See, if you die on a tree, according to the Jewish law, you have been cursed by God himself. And so here in the, here's this person that they want to put in a position where everybody knows and understands that he is, in fact, a fraud. And so they want him up in a tree. They, they want him hung. They want him laid out where people can see him and understand that he was not the Messiah. So, so, so they have to have Pilate's help. And so they come, and you heard him. Uh, he asked the question, I don't know what's wrong with him. Did you, did you find anything wrong with him? And, and you heard the lame excuse that they had, right? You know, listen, we wouldn't have brought him here if we didn't think that, that there was something wrong if he wasn't a criminal. I mean, that's specific, right? <laughs> I'd like to, to be tried in that court, as I'm sure that all of you would as well. Pilate, the person who succumbs to the pressure, because you, you see the difficulty that the man faces is that be, he's between that proverbial rock and a hard place. If he lets them, uh, if, if, he, if he doesn't execute Jesus, well then he's got all these Jewish people. They're all up in arms, right? Jewish leaders, Pharisees. If he lets them take control, well then, on the other side of things, then the Romans are going to be all over him because he, he will have lost control over the very part of the world that he's supposed to have control over, and, and then he'll lose his job. I mean, so, he, so what does he do? He caves in. He gives in to that pressure. It, it, it's just too much to ask him to stand up for what's right when there's that much pressure. I mean, you know how that works, right? Well, you... You saw it repeatedly in, in Peter just the night before. The section of the text that we didn't cover is that whole scene of Peter's denial. Um, but I think we all remember that when, when this little girl asks him, aren't you one of them? Oh, no, I don't know who he was, who he is. The servant says, well, now, wait a minute. You sound like a Galilean. I mean, aren't you one of his disciples? Oh, no, no, not, not me. And then standing against the enemy's fire... Now, wait a minute. He says, I saw you out there. You're the guy who cut off the high priest's servant's ear. Oh, no, I don't know this man. I don't know anything about him, Peter said. And then the cock crowed. You know, that kind of caving in the pressure to stand up and to be counted for Jesus. A couple months ago, Susan and I watched a movie um, movie called I'm Not Ashamed. I think I've talked about this with you a little bit, uh, but it was the story of Rachel Scott, who was the first uh, person to be executed in a Columbine uh, high school shooting in 1999, simply because she was a Christian. But I think about that story when I think of the courage that she had in the midst of pressure to stand up for Jesus. And I wonder if I would do the same, given the same circumstances. Are we willing, in any circumstances for that matter, when put under pressure to make a decision to stand up for what is right, would we stand for Christ? Would we stand for Jesus? Or would we cave? It's hard to know, isn't it? Unless we're put in that position. The voice of Pilate here, though, I think is one who wouldn't be deceived by their lies. 
but will practice a total failure and simply deliver up a man who is innocent. Deliver the innocent one to their voice. So we have in this text, we have the voice of the Jews, we have the voice of Pilate, and of course then there's always the voice of Jesus in this text. Uh, I think that he would say it something like this, I would be caught dead for the right reason. I would be caught dead for the right reason. In fact, he was, wasn't he? And I guess I would put it like this, or I would call that pure love, pure love. Because here's one who is absolutely innocent. Pilate, Pilate is correct at this point. There isn't any fault in him at all. He, he lived in his entire life, birth to death, and nobody could point a finger at him and say, you know, something is in fact wrong with him. He's this innocent person. And yet, whether Pilate realized it or not, whether the Jews realized it or not, they are playing into the very hands of God because he's about to use them to accomplish his purpose. See, Pilate could have turned them loose, but it wouldn't have made any difference, right? This was God's decision that God would use this innocent man to die for the guilty. And Pilate just plays into it like the Jews do. And, and Jesus comes along and, and gives explanation. Are you the king of the Jews? And he says, in, in, in fact, I have a, a kingdom that is radically different than anything that you understand. See, Pilate's, Pilate was right in assuming that Jesus was a king but not the kind of king that Pilate thought. Pilate had in, this, in his mind some kind of king who would, who would set up uh, some kind of an earthly kingdom and, and would rule. And Jesus says, no, if that's the kind of kingdom that, uh, if that's the kind of kingdom I was going to set up, these guys wouldn't even be standing around here. They wouldn't be looking at you. They would be defending me. That's not my kind of kingdom. I rule in a different way. I rule in the hearts of people. This Jesus reminds us and he is, that He is, is in fact the sovereign Lord of the universe and in His sovereignty has the ability to say, I won't fight. See, we realize that He could have called 10,000 angels, right? And if that wouldn't have been enough, he could have probably had a, he, he probably had a couple hundred uh, left someplace that he could have called. And he chose not to. That's the point. Because this one won't be freed. But he will free the world. Pilate ends up asking, I think, the right question. But he uses the wrong pronoun. He asks the question, what is truth? And I don't think that that's, I don't think that, um, that he wants an answer because he immediately turns around and he walks away. I really don't believe that he's interested in knowing. The problem is that he's asking the right question with the wrong pronoun. The question isn't what is truth. The question should really be who is truth? Because you see, I think that this text here teaches us, teaches one fundamental, teaches this fundamental truth 
that Jesus is in fact the truth. I think that's what this text teaches us. And whether you, whether you and I believe that or not, that's immaterial. He came into the world the truth. You remember back in chapter 1? I, I realize that's probably repressing many of us all the way back to, to several weeks ago. But John chapter 1, verse 14, it says that he came into the world, he put on flesh and dwelt among us. He came and he tabernacled or he... Uh, it, it's interesting because I think that's I think that's kind of a neat thing as you compare all the four Gospels because that's really John's Christmas story right there John chapter 14 he came to that which was, was his own and his own did not receive it he, he put on flesh and dwelt among men John chapter 1 verse 14 he came and he set up his tent among us he dwelt among us he became flesh and he embodied God, full of grace and truth. And then just three or four chapters ago, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, in Jesus, there is this truth. There, there is truth. And, and when I read that, I'm literally reminded that, that Jesus' whole purpose for coming to this earth was to embody the truth, to bring God to our presence. It's really an odd thing at the end of this text, and I want to close with this. I'm sure that you heard it, probably didn't pay much attention to it, but they said, no, give us Barabbas. And I don't know if, if uh, maybe you have been introduced. Uh, um, I, I remember when we were introduced to Peter. Maybe some of you remember that in the earlier in the Gospels, and it says they called him um, uh, Peter, um, actually Simon Bar-Jonah, Simon Bar-Jonah, right? Uh, we know what that means, right? Simon, son of son of John, Simon, son of Jonah, or something like that. Peter Bar Jonah. It means it means uh, Simon, son of John. Or and, and so so that's that's the explanation that we've been given is that you know there's this name that when you put it together it really means Simon, son of John, Bar Jonah. This here is Bar Abbas. And interestingly enough, uh, do you know what Abba means? Anybody? Father, right? Okay, we've been taught that. It means father. And this is really kind of an odd name. Bar Abba. You know what that means? Son of a father. Son of a father. And the Jews, see, that's, that's, that's kind of an odd name, isn't it? Bar Barabbas, son of a father. And the Jews that day decided to choose the son of a father instead of a son of the Father. So I think that this text gives us three voices to choose from. The question is, will we, like the Jews, go through all the right motions and simply keep up experiences? Or keep up appearances? Will we, like Pilate, give in to the pressure and be whatever it is that the people around us want us to be? Or will we, like Jesus, will we embody the truth? See, any one of us, you can choose Barabbas, son of a father, or you can choose Jesus, the son of the father. He comes to bring truth and to give us 
the choice to choose the truth, to choose Jesus, to listen to him, to obey him, to love him, to worship him. Let's pray together. Father, I think that I think the choice is ours, not just today, but each and every day, to choose. Uh, um, there's so many uh, things around us that are, life is really about choices. And the devil is alive and well and is, is certainly wanting to trip us up and to get us to choose other things. And Father, I just pray that you would help each of us as we journey through this, this life and, and as we um, focus on you and uh, upon our Christian faith, that we would choose you over and over and over again. I pray that you would protect us as John, John or as Jesus prayed last week in, in John chapter 7, protect us from the evil one, from, from all of his schemes. Help us each and every day to come before you and to choose you and to choose your way and not to listen to the other voices in this world that say, it, we just need to keep up appearances. We need to be fakes. We need to, we need to, to, to uh, cave in to all the pressure that we have around us. And, and, but help us, in fact, regardless of the consequences, to choose you every time. Because we understand that not only in you is, is, is truth, which is what I believe this text is about, but truly in you is life. And that life, as John says, is the light of men. Father, thank you for giving us your word this morning. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.